All right, so today was special for me. Uh, for about 11 years, I've been begging to get a place on the worship team. And they said, well, you can clap in rhythm. That's about all you got, Rod. Uh, so they let me, if you saw it this morning, they let me whisper into the microphone. That was like a thrill for me. That's as far as it goes, right? Um, but there's another song I was thinking about when we're talking about this series and wrapping up Run, Devil, Run. Uh, probably most of you guys uh, my age or older will remember a song by Kenny Rogers, his most favorite song called The Gambler. And so to start this morning, I'm going to get your help, and you're going to help sing this with me. Remember the chorus? You got to know when to, that's right, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. Remember that? Y'all did good. Give yourself a hand. That's right. You, the, see, here's the deal. In our journey with God, there's times in our lives where we have to know when to hold them and we have to know when to fold them. And I'm going to explain what that means here in a minute. But I'm afraid there's many of us that aren't really clear in our walk with God when is the time to hold them and when there's a time to fold them. And because we zig when we're supposed to zag, it gets us into trouble and it causes pain and grief and guilt and feels, feelings of defeat when, the, when we need not to feel those things. The irony is when we feel defeated, we shouldn't because if you are in Christ, it is the devil who has been defeated and you and I are not defeated. It's exactly the opposite. A lot of times, it feels like maybe, maybe we're surrounded by a, a group of landmines. We're in a field where there's landmines around us, and it's our problems, and it's in our emotions, and it's our temptations, and all these things. And as we're trying to journey with Christ, we, we can get paralyzed with fear and, and not act when we need to act because we're afraid of the damage that can be done if we take the wrong step. Wouldn't it be great if we had someone to walk us through that field that had a map and knew everywhere we're supposed to step and had all of our steps planned out? Can I tell you something? We do have that person in Christ. There is somebody that will lead us through life and we can avoid so many of the landmines that we step on if we'll just follow him. If we know when to hold them and we know when to fold them. We don't have to fear anything. In fact... Paul was writing, and he had this landmine of problems and issues and temptations around him. He was getting beaten and all kinds of horrible things. And in the midst of all that, in Romans 8, 37, he says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who loved us. We are the conquerors. We're the victorious ones. We don't live in defeat. We live in victory in his victory. We are more than conquerors in Christ. And today, I want us to know when to hold them and know when to fold them so that you and I can live this victorious life that Jesus Christ, on Easter Sunday, when he rose from the dead, he's still alive and he's still alive in our lives and he's in our lives to bring victory in our daily walk with God. That's what he wants for every single one of us. You gotta understand something. The enemy, the devil, has two main uh, approaches to your life. He comes as tempter and he comes as liar. He comes as tempter and he comes as a liar. And you and I need to know when he comes in those ways, how to respond to what he's doing. So the first thing you need to know is there is a time for you and I to run. There's a time in our lives where it's time to run. Uh, what do you mean by that? 
Running doesn't sound like winning. Running doesn't sound like victory, but actually it is. And when that time is, is a time when temptation comes, when Satan comes in the form where he's trying to get us away from God's will and God's best for our life and draw us into sin. That is exactly the time that we are supposed to run. We're going to see several verses about that in just a minute. But you and I oftentimes buy into this belief, it's a false belief, that I'm strong enough to handle it, or if I'm mature, I can take this on my own, or I can, I, I've done this before, I can do it again. Don't get sucked into that kind of thinking and mentality. Because the scripture is clear, we are to run. Look, I've got four verses for you. The first one says this, 1 Corinthians 6. What's the first word? Flee from sexual immorality. Flee. All their sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. God's game plan when temptation comes is to get away, is to run, is to remove yourself from situations where you and I would be tempted to do the wrong thing. So you don't put yourself in places and in situations and get in a, in a compromising position where you would do anything other than God's best and God's design where a husband and a wife would enjoy that together. Everything outside of that definition is wrong, is sexual sin. So he says, don't go there. Don't go to those places. Avoid those com compromising positions. Flee. There's a man named Joseph in the Bible, and in Genesis, it describes his story, and his boss's wife was coming on to him, and he knew it was wrong, and she's grabbing him, and she's trying to get him to go to bed with her, and that guy, he took this seriously, and he fleed. He ran out of his coat. She's left holding his coat, and he's gone. Why? He knew to flee. He knew there's positions and situations in our life that we don't need to hang around in, that we need to get the heck out of and flee. It's not just with sexual temptation. Look what else it says. This is uh, 1 Timothy 6. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, let me pause a second. Does this say that money is the root of all evil? It didn't say that, did it? It said, for the love of money, so greed, it's the love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil. Just clarifying that. We, we misquote that all the time. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, this is greed, having wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, what's the word? You see it? Say it with me. But you, man of God, flee from all of this. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We are to flee from greed. That's obvious, isn't it? Get away from the greed in your own life. We say, how do you do that? I mean, we live in a culture that is consumed with greed and consumerism. Every time you turn around any form of media, there's always a, a message that says, you should have this. You need this. No, you deserve this. And that message is entrenched in our thinking and it leads to greed. 
And if we're coveting other people's things and their car and what they live in and what they wear and all this other stuff, it's just feeding this thing of greed. If you and I have a problem with buying things online, man, we ought to, we ought to get away from that and not go to that website. If we have certain stores we can't trust ourselves in and there are those stores, then maybe we need to limit how often we go there. Listen, if your credit card, which is so easy, you can buy anything on a credit card, but if that credit card is causing uh, debt and it's causing relationship stress and it's causing stress in your own heart, then it's not worth it. You ought to what? How do you flee that? You cut that sucker up and you get rid of the credit card and you get rid of the temptation to overspend. If you're hanging around greedy people, and all they talk about is money and what they have and possessions and all that stuff. And you need to flee it. I tell you, the best way to flee greed is to be generous. That's the best way to do it. Is when you start giving away part of what God's given you to a cause, to help someone in need, to the church. It's just a freeing thing that sets our heart free from greed. That's how we can flee it. I got a friend in this church who said for the, that they started tithing and they said, man, I'm doing battle against greed in my life because I don't want greed to have a hold on me. So he's tithing. Praise God. Man, if you want to flee greed, make a list of what God's given you. Make a list and begin to appreciate, man, this is what he's done for me. This is what I have. These are the things I can cherish. And you and I learn to, to just value all that God's given us. Man, if impulse buying is a thing for you and that's how Satan gets in and tempts you, can I tell you the best rule you could have is just, just wait, just pause. Take 24 hours, and when you got that thing in your hand or you're about to kick, click, uh, you know, buy it online, wait, stop, pray for 24 hours. Ask God, is this something I really need? Is this what you wanted me to have? Is this why you gave me the funds to do this? Is this really the right choice? And if after 24 hours of consulting with your spouse, if you've got that, and uh, praying and you feel confirmation, then great, go for it. If it's not going to put you in a debt and put you in bind, great. But if it is, man, just flee. I mean, I've never seen this, but could you imagine someone taking this literally and they're at the store and they got that shiny thing in their hands and they know it's the wrong thing. They just drop it and run out of the store with hair on fire. Ah! I've never seen it. Or you the, got the laptop, you just slam it shut and get away from it. Or say, hey, take my phone, I'm gonna do something stupid. That's what it means to flee, to get away. To not let that temptation linger. It says this, 2 Timothy 2. First word, flee. See that? Flee. You see a pattern happening here? Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Keep going. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. You ever been in one of those? Like every day? Like on the way here, <clears throat> don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. He's saying get away from anything that causes arguments and division and conflict. Don't, don't go down that road. 
Can I tell you guys that we ought to be people that don't participate in and we flee from things like gossip and slander and talking behind people's backs. That are not things that are attributes of the people of God. Those are things that produce quarrels in the church and in families and in communities. That's a problem. And the scripture says, flee from those things. You're probably guilty of this like me. Somebody's running their mouth about somebody and you just stand there. You don't say anything. You don't do anything. Can I tell you something? You and I, when we do that, we're guilty of sin. We're participating. We're giving them the green light that, hey, it's okay to do that when it's not. You can't unhear what you hear. You're supposed to flee. That means walking away from the conversation or say, hey, can we change the subject or sticking your fingers in your ear. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'd get the message across, wouldn't it? <laughs> flee looks kind of goofy sometimes. We're told to flee. We're told to flee. One more for you. 1 Corinthians 10 says this. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Here's the deal. When it comes to temptation, man, the time that we feel the strongest, the time that we've had a victory in our life, the time that um, um, things are going good and you feel mature and you just, you just had a win, that, it says, if you think you're standing firm, that's the very time you need to look out. Because in that moment of pride that I've got this, in this moment that I've got it together, in this moment that things are going good, that's when the enemy loves to come in and make us fall. He says, don't fool yourselves. Man, those temptations will come in those very moments. Keep going on our verse here. Look at this promise. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Man, this is an awesome promise. Keep going. Isn't there one more verse? Look at this. Therefore, my dear friends, what's the word? Flee from idolatry. This is the fourth time we've read this. Flee, 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 flee. Four different types of sins. It says, listen, if it's in your heart or if it's in your head or if it's in your pocketbook or it's a sexual thing or it's an argument, get away from it. Don't stand there and take your lumps. Don't stand there and fall to the same temptation over and over again. Get away from it. There's also some amazing promises if you back it up one verse. Do you see what he said? You'll never be tempted other than what everyone else has been tempted. It's common to mankind. You're not facing anything that multiple people, dozens of people, thousands of people haven't faced over the course of history. You're facing something that the devil has thrown at people time and time again. But the promise is he will never be thrown, you'll never be thrown a temptation in Christ that you can't say no to. Isn't that an awesome promise? If you are in Christ, you will never face a tempting situation that by the power of God and the risen power of Jesus Christ that rose him from the dead, that lives in your heart, that is in you and is with you, cannot say you can defeat it and simply say no. That's an awesome promise. And then it says, and when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. You ever had that happen to you? You're in the middle of a situation and your mind's going down a road it doesn't need to go or you're about to do something stupid and you get someone that calls you out of the blue and it saves you. 
or somebody interrupts you or something happens out of the ordinary and you go, holy cow, God supernaturally intervened and provided a way out. Praise God in his graciousness. He does do that. Have you ever been sitting there contemplating a sin and you hear something in your heart or in your mind and it says, don't go there. Don't do that. There's this powerful whisper the whisper of God. And he says, listen, that's not my best for you. I've got something better for you. Don't believe the lie that that's what's good. I've got something so much better. Can I tell you, that's the power of God providing a way out so that you can stand up under it. It's this holy conviction that what I was pursuing doesn't look so tantalizing anymore. In fact, it looks stupid. And you come to your sins and go, God, why in the world was I even thinking about that? I've got so much more in you. I don't need that. God says he'll come to the rescue. He'll provide a way out. He'll speak to our heart. And all that's good, but we can't rely on that every time. Can I tell you, we can avoid most of the sin in our lives if we'll just learn to flee. I mean, in the moment, he'll rescue us. But let's not put ourselves in that situation and see how strong we are or how much God can come through this time. Let's not even go there. Why would we go up to the cliff edge and say, how close can I get this in without falling off? God, let me step back. I don't want to get near that. It's not what your best is for me. I want to be over here where you are. Man, we can avoid so much pain that we cause ourselves. We can avoid so much pain we cause others if we would just take serious this command to flee temptation. Look what Proverbs says. It says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. He's saying, listen, there's landmines out there, and you're right, there's temptations all around, and there's problems all around, but oftentimes we can see those things coming, can't we? We know if I go to that place, it's trouble. I know if I hang out with that person, it's trouble. I know if I, if I put myself in that situation, man, I've fallen so many times, and I see it coming. It says, if you see it coming, take refuge, hide, get away Flee, run to God, not run to the sin. Can I tell you, early on when this church started, um, there was a young lady who uh, approached me and said I wanted, she wanted some counseling, wanted to meet with me one-on-one. I said, okay. And so I said, well, let's meet at the park. And I pull up there, and she's dressed very seductively. It's trouble. Thankfully, God had allowed us to see that. And I got out, and my wife got out with me. She wasn't expecting that. Can I tell you, that was the shortest counseling session that I have ever had. That gal was gone in five minutes. Gone. Never seen her again. Never came back to church. I've never seen her again. The prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going. And they pay a price. They pay a horrible, horrible price. See, if you and I keep going to the same places, hanging around the same people, put ourselves in the same situations, and we expect to somehow become more holy, that is the definition of insanity, isn't it? 
If there's something pulling you away from God, tempting you to sin, causing you to stray, you can ruthlessly, you must ruthlessly cut those things out of your life. Say, that has no place for me. If they're continually leading me down a path I know God doesn't want, that keeps causing pain, that keeps bringing guilt and condemnation in my spirit, man, God, I don't want that anymore. And you cut it out of your life. Flee. Run. Run from temptation. Guys, that's what God has told us to do. If at all possible, get away from it. Now, there's also a time to stand. There's a time to run when temptation comes, but there's a time to stand. And that's when the den- enemy, when the devil comes as a liar. Does he ever come as a liar? When he comes at a liar, as a liar, that's when it's your time to stand. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Stand your ground. There... There's no verse, I looked it up, there's no verse in the scripture that ever says, run from the devil. I double-checked in my scripture uh, software just to be sure. You won't find that verse. It's not in there. It says, put on the armor of God, the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. In Ephesians 6, it unpacks that armor. He says, put on the belt of truth. I was told I did the Packers belt on the first service. I'm not gonna do that. Belt. Belt of truth, shoes with the gospel of peace, a breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. That is our armor. And with those things, we take our stand against every lie the devil throws at us. We're fully protected. But you know what happens? When we tuck tail and run, the only place without armor is where? on our backs, and he's got us. When we flee, he's got us. When we allow those lies to take root, he's got us. When we start believing the things that he's shoveling, he's got us. And the scripture says, no, you take your stand against his schemes and his lies. It says this in James 4. I love this. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now who's doing the fleeing? He is. We don't flee from him. He flees from us. Why? Because he that is in me and he that is in you is greater than the the one that's in the world. And he tucks tail, and he runs from those who know how to stand against his lies and against his schemes. But I want you to notice something. We don't just resist him. Do you see what it says first? First, we must submit ourselves to God, and then we resist him. So I want you to understand some hand motions here. Maybe this will stick in our brains. We are people that submit and yield our lives to the living God. God, you are the great and glorious God who has loved me and sent his son for me, and you have given me forgiveness and love and hope and peace, and I yield my life to you. God, have your way in my life. God, do everything in my life you want to do. I yield myself to you. That's submitting yourselves to God. And then, after you yield, you resist Satan. It's yield and resist. 
yield and resist. See, when you and I just try to resist him without yielding our lives first to God, man, we set ourselves up for failure. We're going into battle without any armor. We're going into battle in our own power, in our own strength, in our own will instead of his. It doesn't say greater is you than is in the world. It doesn't say greater is the pastor that's in the world. It says greater is he, Christ, in me and in you that's greater than anything you'll face in this world. So we submit our lives to God. And he has to flee. Isn't that good news? We submit our lives to God. And Satan runs in terror of the life submitted to God. Don't you love that song? Run, devil, run, devil, run, devil, run. That's all he's got. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Romans 8, 37. You and I are more than conquerors. We're not the defeated one. The enemy is. We are conquerors in Christ. So living as conquerors means two things. Fleeing temptation and taking a stand against Satan. Those are the two things. That's the zig and the zag. That's the hold them and fold them. We got to understand we can't, when temptation comes, we don't stand, we run. And when Satan comes with his lies, we don't flee, we stand. It's life changing when you and I can discern the difference between the two. And oftentimes, just to unpack that a little more, a temptation is something, a desire that's in us that's leading, uh, that's coming out in an action. And a lie is, is something outside and, and it's something, a thought trying to penetrate our mind. You see the difference? It comes both ways. Now I want you to know something. Uh, Satan is described in lots of ways, but I want you to see in Revelation chapter uh, 12, I believe. <clears throat> he is called the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. You know what Satan loves to do? He likes to go before God and say, have you seen how worthless they are? Do you wanna, have you seen how terrible they've messed up again? Hey, can you, I, you, can't, you can't care about them, God. They're not worth it. God, you need to disown them. They're not worthy of your love. They're not worthy of your acceptance. Just disown them, God. And Jesus says, time out. All that sin in their life, I paid for it. And every ounce of forgiveness that they need has been given to them by my, what I did for them on the cross. And their forgiveness is complete and sure. And there's nothing that they can do to add to the status as my daughter and as my son. I love them and they are forgiven. They are eternally mine. And Satan, you don't get nowhere with me. Get out of here. You're full of lies. Well, man, the enemy doesn't like that. He gets an earful of that from God. He, he decides to move on. And this accuser of the brothers and sisters, he comes and he brings accusation to you and I. He brings the same lies, the same set of lies to you and I. And he starts whispering them in our ear like a fly that's trying to land in our brain and cause us to believe that something that isn't there. You had that? Where this thought keeps circling around your head and you're trying to shoo it away. That's not true. That's not right. That's not who I am. And he's trying to penetrate our thinking by causing us to believe something that isn't true. And so he'll say things like, 
You're not worthy. You're worthless. Look at what you've done. You're no good. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. Nobody cares. You'll never be free. You'll never change. You'll never enjoy the life you had. You're always going to be in misery and torment and without hope. And those are the lies the enemy loves to throw at you and I. He loves to cause doubt and discouragement and depression and confusion by throwing lies at us, hoping that some of them stick into our brain. And we begin to believe things about God and we begin to believe things about ourselves and about life that just aren't true. Do you know what you do? You talk a little junk. Anybody like to smack talk around here? Any professional smack talkers? Come on now, I know there are. Okay, okay. Yo mama so ugly. I mean, that's been around like forever, right? I don't know if that works with Satan. Satan, your mama's so ugly. I don't know if he's got a mama, but... Man, you start talking junk back to him because he's throwing lies at you all the time. And you know what you do? You throw back the truth at him. You said I'm worthless, but God says I'm worthy. He died on the cross that I might be declared worthy in his sight. You said I'm no good, but God said he sent his son on my behalf. You say I'm rejected and abandoned, but God says I'm a child of the living God. And you start throwing the truth back at every single lie that he's trying to throw at you. Man, he hates that. That little fly starts to go away when you and I start swatting at him with the truth of God's word and telling him over and over and over again, your lies have no place in my life. I know who I am in Christ. I know what he's done for me. I know how good God is. I know where my home is. You have no place in my life and you can get the heck out. That's how you take your stand against the enemy. You tell him how it is. You tell him who he is. You're defeated, you're broken, you're busted, you're lying. You're done. And you can take your trash full of lies and get out of here. That's what it means to take our stand against the lies and the schemes of the enemy. Man, if nothing else convinces us that's true, that empty tomb on our graphic that we thought about a couple weeks ago at Easter, that is still true today. The God who defeated death is alive in you today. The God who defeated hell is alive in you today. The God who defeated sin and everything that would come against us has already been defeated. And that empty tune proves it. It's over, it's finished, it's done. You don't have to do anything but stand in the victory that Jesus has already bought for you. Amen. One of our elders, Wally Moore, uh, said something. We were talking about this topic and he said... Um, you know, Satan likes to come at us and go, boo, see if we'll flinch. And that's all he can do. He, he can't touch us. He's defeated. And he comes at us and he says, boo, hoping that we'll jump, hoping that we'll be fear, hoping that we'll run when we're supposed to take a stand. But then he said, that boo feels a whole lot worse when he's threatening your family and your livelihood and your health. But you know what? It's still just an idle, vain threat 
The truth of the fact is that Satan has no power over us, that he can only do what God allows him to do. Um, if you've been to my house, small group meets there, you know our dog Max is a little out of control. And we first walked him on the leash. It was a nightmare. Heel, heel, heel. My arm would hurt. Heel the whole time. Now he's two and a half. He, he's a good boy. He walks next to us. You know what? Satan's on a leash. God's got him on a leash. And he says heal. And Satan can't go anywhere God doesn't allow him to go. And if he says heal, he has to heal. You sit, he's got to sit. You stay, he's got to stay. He's completely at the whim of Almighty God. He can't do anything to your life that God first hasn't approved. There's a man named Job, the whole book of the Bible about him. He's a righteous man. And Satan didn't like him because he was living for God. He said, God, let, let me get after him. He had to come ask permission from God that he would be able to even touch Jacob, uh, Jacob's life in any way. God has every card in the deck. He's holding all the keys. In Christ, he has won the victory complete, and he's got you, and he loves you. And if problems and temptations and things come our way, it's only because God has allowed them that we might turn to him and submit our lives to God, that we might know the freedom and the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what temptation... What temptation do you need to flee? What have you been dabbling in and you're sticking your toe in and you're staying around a place or a situation that you need to get away from? What is that? You need to identify it today and say, listen, God, by your grace, I'm not gonna stand on my own. I'm gonna learn to flee. I'm gonna run from those situations and I'm gonna run to you in holiness. Let me ask you, are you being harassed by the enemy, where he's throwing lie after lie at you, causing discouragement and doubt and fear and worry and insecurity and anxiety. Guys, when you feel those things, that's not the work of God in your life. That's the work of the enemy sowing those things into your life. And you and I, by believing in Jesus Christ, we can stand on Christ, his finished work in an empty tomb and say, Satan, those things have to go. You have no hold on me anymore. I want you to, if you're believing a lie, in just a minute, we're gonna pray. I want you to identify, if there's a lie you've been believing that he's been whispering in your ear, that's been buzzing around in your head, by the grace of God, would God identify those lies in your life? And you, you stand on the exact opposite, which is the truth, whatever God says about you, whatever God says about himself, whatever God says about your life. Lastly, I want to just realize that maybe some of you here have believed the lie that God is far off somewhere and unconcerned and un unwilling to engage in your life or that you've got to clean up your act or follow certain rules in order for God to be a part of your life, that you are unworthy of his love and you're unworthy of his acceptance and forgiveness. Can I tell you, everything I just said there is a lie. 
When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he spread his arms out wide that he would take on your sin as a punishment for them, that you could be completely forgiven. And guess what? Jesus has remained like this. His arms are open wide and he says, run to me. I'm not far off. I'm here for you. I love you and I'm willing to forgive you. I want a relationship with you. Will you pray with me? Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we give you praise that the victory is yours. We, we celebrate the fact that we don't have to add anything to a cross and an empty tomb, that every bit of the victory that is ours as conquerors in Christ has been given to us already in him. And God, I wanna pray against the tempter I wanna pray for these people in this room that are facing temptation. They know what they are and time and time again, he comes at them. God, would you give them the courage and the faith and the boldness to flee every form of temptation in their lives. God, make them good at running away from sin and running to you. God, if there's a certain sin that's been dragging someone down over and over again, God, I ask you, you set them free today as they call out on your name and say, God, deliver me from this. I'm gonna remove that from my life. I'm gonna ruthlessly cut it out. Father, I wanna pray for the person who's, man, there's just been a, a barrage of lies and they feel harassed they feel worthless, they feel unloved. And it's just because they've believed what's not true. God, reveal those lies for what they are right now. All around this room, God, speak to the hearts of your people and say, you know what, that's a lie you've been believing. And God, would you cause them to stand on the truth of what you say about them? And God, I pray for the one that needs to come running to your open arms today. And they've believed the lie that they've got to do something to earn something with you. When your scripture makes it clear that is a gift of the living God that you would offer us love and forgiveness and acceptance because of what Jesus did on our behalf. If you need to come running to Jesus with your arms open wide, you want to say yes to a relationship with God. Repent of your sins and turn to Christ. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Say, I'm turning to Christ. I see you. Who else? I'm going to stop believing the lie that I've got to earn it with God. And I'm going to just accept the free gift of eternal life. You pray with me and say, Jesus, I believe that you're enough. I believe that you loved me before the world began. You've loved me. And I want to step into your love. I want to run into your open arms. I ask that you'd forgive me of my many sins. I want to follow you. I want you in my life. Please come in. I want to live for you. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for me. In your name that we pray. Amen.